again, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Uh, I've got these guys passing out a little outline. Uh, I'm a teacher at heart, um, and so I want you to walk away with something today. Uh, you know, I used to do the fill-in-the-blank stuff, and then people would miss it. So I'm just going to give it to you. You got what I want you to walk away with today, so there you go. All right? Um, again, I want to say thank you for your partnership in the gospel with the Colorado Baptist Convention, uh, also with the Royal Gorge Baptist Association, Pikes Peak Baptist Association. Um, it's my privilege and honor to serve you, serve the churches. The only reason I exist is to serve you. And so I tell our churches all the time, uh, whatever you need, let me know. I may or may not be able to help you, but I'm going to try uh, because I, I exist to serve you. Um, Last week, I know uh, uh, Rick was here, and I'm going to talk a little bit about his sermon a little bit later. I'm going to connect the two sermons today, if I can. Um, and so we're going to be back in Matthew 14. Uh, we're just going to be looking at the first part of Matthew 14. He kind of talked about the last part. Uh, but, I, you know, your life will take turns that don't make sense in the moment. Amen? Yeah. How many times, as you think back, have you asked God, you want me to do what? <laughs> My wife asks that every day. 45 years ago, we got married. She goes, you want me to do what? I do a sermon called Risk is Right, and she took the biggest risk of anybody. But you want, you know, maybe you're, you're reading a scripture verse, or maybe you're, you're singing a song, or, or maybe you're listening to something on the radio, and something hits you, you have an impression, right? And you go, Huh. God, you, you want me to do what? Often, when God does this, He doesn't tell us why. I wish there were more why verses. Because I'm the one that goes, why? Why? And God just probably shakes His head going, oh. But, you know, thou shalt not, and, and here's why. Thou shalt go the extra mile, and, and here's why. He doesn't tell us that. Turn the other cheek. Pour out your life. Take up your cross, and here's why. He doesn't always give us the why. Maybe you're here this morning, and God may be drawing you to Himself in a particular area of your life, kind of coaxing you. And He may not tell you why. But as you move closer to God, we do often ask why. You want me to do what? You want me to forgive that person? No, 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 no. No, no, no. You, obviously, God, you've missed this one. <laughs> kind of like I remind God. You ever remind God? I remind God, you called me to do this. I was praying over there. I said, God, you called. I did not want to do this. I had a different plan for my life. But I remind him, you, if you don't show up, it's not going to go well. So, you better show up. You want me to be ethical in a business that's unethical? You want me to extend grace? Really? You want me to want the best for people who are trying to be reconciled? God says yes. That's what he wants. Folks, we're all messy. I tell people, get in line behind me. I got a messed up past. I come from a messed up family. My wife comes from a worse family. We both come out of divorce. 
My, grand, my kids for a long time couldn't figure out how we had eight grandparents. And which one is your dad? And which one is your mom? You know, divorce never ends. It just keeps going. Well, I'm so thankful that our kids are doing well in their marriages. And I think we broke that legacy, maybe. We'll see, right? But oftentimes, God tells us to do something, and we go, you want me to do what? How many of you ever seen the movie Hunt for Red October? Or read the book? Okay? Remember the setting, 1984, the Cold War was still a big deal? Scott's like, what's the Cold War? But anyway, the Cold War was a bit in your history book. Okay? Um, sorry, that's my ADD kicking in. And so the Russian commander, remember Ramius? Have you seen the movie? Yeah, Sean Connery. Right. Why does the Russian guy always have an English accent? Or Scottish? I never have figured that out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so he decides to defect to America, and he happens to bring on a nuclear submarine with him. That's kind of convenient. And so they get all the, all the Russian sailors off the submarine. It's just him and a couple of his entrusted officers. And then they smuggle some American officers onto the submarine. Remember that? And this is the scene where they're trying to get away and another Russian submarine detects them and fires a torpedo at them. So Sean Connery, Ramius, he, he gives the helmsman coordinates to turn the submarine in direct, uh, the same direction as the torpedo's coming. And there's a little bit of an argument. That sounds kind of suicidal. One of them says he's trying to kill us and the submarine. So he has them speed up, make the, the submarine goes faster, and they're heading right into the path of the torpedo. And the helmsman's going, 20 seconds till impact. And there's this little discussion that goes on. And they're thinking, this is, this is not going to end well. And so the helmsman finally says, torpedo impact, 10 seconds, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You remember when that torpedo hit the submarine? It just fell apart. The torpedo fell apart into 100 different pieces. And the American sub-commander said, because Mr. Ryan is sitting there, he goes, what happened? And the American submarine captain says, combat tactics. He, he closed the distance between us and the torpedo before it could arm itself. But if I'm sitting there, I'm going, you want me to do what? You're going to speed up the death process? Shouldn't we turn around and go the other way? Well, oftentimes God does that in our lives. Maybe God wants you to take a step of faith in a particular area of your life. We were talking earlier about fasting and prayer. It took me years to do a sermon on, on fasting. I had somebody say, I've never heard a Southern Baptist preacher talk about fasting. And we did. And we did it. Maybe God is trying to help you to be more committed to this church. Maybe God is dealing with you in the area of money. Right? That, that's a stumbling block for a lot of people. Maybe, it's, maybe your stumbling block is time. God's asking you to move into a leadership role and give more time. So here's the question on your outline. Why is this important, and how does it relate to me? Well, in the process of obeying God, even when it doesn't make sense, learning to trust Him in a new way, something unexpected happens. When our faith intersects with God's faithfulness, when we step out and obey God, God shows up every time. 
Every time God shows up. And we think back, holy smokes! God is alive and He's a real in that moment. And we, you know what? When we walk away from those events, we do not walk away thinking, wow, that was coincidence. Or wow, I guess I made the right decision. No, we walk away going, wow! The God of the universe just put Himself into my life. And we walk away knowing God more intimately than we ever would have before. See, our Heavenly Father sent Jesus into this world to die for our sins. Not, not, uh, not just so we would all obey, but so we'd have a relationship. And the currency of relationship is trust. Right? Any relationship, it's trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will what? Direct your paths. But it begins with trust. I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to yield myself. I'm going to surrender myself. And so from time to time in this life, Christ interrupts our life. I call it a life moment. We have a life moment with Christ, and He says, I'm going to do something different in your life. When I was a youth pastor, Scott, we were talking about that earlier. We used to always say, to understand why, submit and apply. You've got to keep it simple, right? To understand why, submit and apply. If we want to know why God is working, we simply submit to Him and trust Him. Now, now folks, sometimes it's not because we're unwilling. I get that. Sometimes we feel unqualified or unable. Zach, thank you so much for leading. Linda, for playing. You, you know, I would love to be able to play an instrument. When I was in fifth grade, my fifth grade music teacher, uh, I tried to learn how to play the trumpet. And after about two months, he said, you just stick to, stick to basketball. <laughs> stick to being an athlete. It broke me, man. I thought, and I thought I could learn how to play the guitar. That didn't work so well either. There are some things I just can't do, right? So when God asked me to do something, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know how to do that. But God will often bring us an opportunity. He says, here's an opportunity, here's an assignment, go do it. And our natural tendency is to look at our resources, our abilities, our talents, and say, you got the wrong person. I'm willing, but I don't even know how to do that. I call it the zone of the unknown. Now for you, it may be a relationship. It may be a relationship that you're not even sure what to do about. Let me tell you something. There's one thing about relationship, and that's presence. We practice the presence of Jesus in the presence of others. I pastored for over 21 years at the same church. It survived me. <laughs> People never remembered any of my sermons, but they remembered when I was there. They remembered when I was walking with them. They remembered that phone call. They remembered that card. My wife still loves to send cards and snail mail. She sends them to my grandchildren. She sends them to my daughters. And they all love it. Because we, we get emails now, right? We get electronic communication. There's something about a card. And here, here's, her, here's what she always tells me. If it makes you laugh, buy it. So when I'm looking at cards, it makes me laugh, I buy it. I a, she, she has boxes, and they're filed by topic. I mean, she's kind of obsessive about this. But people love getting those cards. They love to hear somebody else cares about them. That's what relationships are about. Again, maybe for you it's serving. Maybe God's been trying to lead you to serve in this church. Or, or maybe it's witnessing to a neighbor 
or a family member or a work associate, somebody that needs to hear the love of Jesus. Maybe it's a career change. You're certainly going through a, career, a change in your life over the last couple of years. I mean, I've, I've watched as God has used you and, and developed you. Uh, I, was some, I, I was a youth pastor for 11 years. I never wanted to be this guy. Never. In fact, I got my master's from seminary in religious education on purpose rather than a master's in divinity because I wasn't very divine or a master's in theology because I didn't like Greek and Hebrew. But here I am. You want me to do what? I guarantee you this. You've either, you've either been through this or you're going through it or you will go through it. So what does the Bible say about this? Matthew chapter 14. Two stories here, the feeding of the 5,000. And last week, Rick did a great job of talking about walking on the water. And he talked about the storms in life. He talked about how do you, how do you uh, respond to the storms. He gave you five different ways to respond to the storms in life. Well, I'm going to connect these two incidents. I believe in uh, Matthew 14, beginning in verse 13, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He's trying to teach the disciples what to do when given an impossible task. And then he illustrates it, and then he's going to test them when they get out on the lake. How'd they do on the test? They failed. Except one guy, and we'll talk about him in a minute. So, Matthew chapter 14, uh, we'll start in verse uh, 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now, that's pretty smart. They're thinking logically, right? Send them away so they can get some food. They're probably hungry. Verse 16, Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, oftentimes in Scripture, we don't see the pauses. I think there was a pause here. And I think those 12 guys looked at each other and go, What? He wants us to do what? Uh, sure. What you guys got? I got a fish, some fish and some loaves. All right, so look what they do. We have here, verse 17, only five loaves of bread and two fish. Same response we would give him. Here's what we have. We're willing, but our resources are inadequate. We're not saying no. We're just saying we can't. You do the numbers. Now Jesus has them exactly where he wants them. And he begins to teach them a life lesson. Verse 18. All right? Bring them here to me. Bring what you have. Verse 19. He directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and they, the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men plus women and children. Now, folks, I have no idea how that happened. I can envision myself carrying this basket. Giving stuff out? I mean, is it like, wow, there's more coming. Like you look under it. Where is it coming from? I have no idea how it happened. It just says it happened. And here's the point. Everyone was satisfied. Everyone was satisfied. Now, I have a feeling after this, the disciples looked at each other and said, wow, 
Look at what we did. I mean, look at what he did. I mean, look at what we, he did. Wow. Did he do it or did we do it? No, we couldn't do it. We gave him what we had. He did it. All we did was pass it out. Wow. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples to get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Immediately, while they're still trying to figure it out, he says, I want you guys to go do this. Now, the task he has given them, is it impossible? Not to them. Why? Have they done this before? They were fishermen, right? They'd done this half a dozen times. Feeding the 5,000? Impossible. Going for a boat ride? We got this one. So, they get in the boat, six, eight-mile journey across the lake. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. Incredible, incredible place. Experienced fishermen, not a big deal. They start rowing, talking about what just happened. Verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So there's a headwind. The harder they row, the harder the wind blows. Now the sun sets. It's pitch black. I've been on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night on a boat. We took a bunch of folks from our church. They asked me to to teach from this passage, so I did. One smart aleck guy said, how come you're not walking on water? I said, do you see Jesus out there? Oh, show off. Anyway, the wind's blowing against them. They're, they're, Jesus said go, so they're going, right? They're working their, their heart out. I mean, they're pulling. With their, by gosh, by golly, we're getting over there to the other side of the lake because we can do this. They can't make it. It's 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning. They've been out there almost 10 hours, but they're not going to give up. Verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. What? Now, I love, over in Mark, I love, I love this part. Mark, uh, in chapter 6, he gives a little bit different interpretation. He says in verse 46, When the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. Hey, guys. They're stuck. He was about to pass them by. They realize this is impossible. Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. What a powerful life moment. At that moment, one of them puts two and two together. Peter. Now, we're pretty critical of Peter. I get that. But Peter's the only one who connects the dots. I have to think he thought something like, let's see, okay, a little bit ago he said, feed the folks. We couldn't do it. We gave to Jesus what we had. He gave it back and everybody was satisfied. He multiplied the food. We didn't do it. He did it. It was a miracle. All the people were fed. Then he tells us to get in the boat and go across the lake. But he knows it's going to be impossible. We didn't know that, but he does. So he puts the two and two together. Verse 28. Lord, 
if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. In other words, tell me to do something else impossible. So here's the principle. When God calls us to do something, when God makes His will known to us, once we know it's the call of God, we can rest assured that God will provide the resources and the power. So Peter says, ask me to do something impossible. What does Jesus say? I love it. Come. One word, come. And that's the invitation Jesus has for all of us. Just come to Him when we're hurting, when we're struggling, when life's not turning out like we thought it would. We can just come to Him. But it requires faith. The call of God is always accompanied by the power of God. The call of God is always accompanied by the power of God. Jesus was trying to teach the disciples a lesson, and Peter put it together. God's call in our lives nudges us outside of that comfort zone, into that zone of the unknown. And along with that calling, God always provides the resources. God has called you guys to plant Lake Avenue Church. He's going to provide the resources you need to do that. Now, it may be an hour before you need it, I'm just saying. I, I, I came to a church that had 60 people, half of whom you didn't want. And there were times when they said, could you hold your paycheck till the next Monday so we'd have another offering on Sunday? I mean, there were some crazy times early on at, at Chapel Hills Baptist Church. But Peter put it together. Peter got out of the boat. And he walked on water. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. What did Peter know about walking on the water? Zero. Peter knew how to get out of a boat, and he knew how to walk. And he discovered in that life moment what Jesus is constantly communicating with you and I. When God calls us to do something, he waits for us to do with what we know to do and give what we know we have, and then God does only what he can do. God is in the miracle business. But here's the problem. And I'm talking to me. I'm looking in the mirror right now. I'm a fellow struggler. Okay? The older we get, the more successful we get, the more we have. We don't like to get out of the boat. Jesus comes walking on the water. Hey, Jesus, come on, get in the boat with us. We just remodeled. Come on, now we don't need to go out there in the waves and stuff. No, no, no. Life is good, wife's good, kids good, family, grandkids are good. Jesus, you get in our boat. So, question. What am I going to do with what the Bible says? Every once in a while in our lives, our Heavenly Father is going to say, we're going to do things differently now. I'm going to take you relationally where you've never been before. I want to use you in a way I've never used you before. So, swing your legs over the edge of the boat and get out of the boat. God's call is always accompanied by God's resources. When our faith intersects with God's faithfulness, things will be different. Staying in the boat does not require the power of God. There's 11 guys, they stayed in the boat. 
Now, we fussed at, G at Peter walking on the water. Question, has anybody here walked on water? There you go. Okay, that doesn't count. Good try, though. Peter walked on water. Okay. The danger is we become so successful, so gifted, so talented, that we don't need God. The power of God, there's a statement in your outline, the power of God is only present where the power of God is needed. The power of God is only present when the power of God is needed. We need to get out of the boat. You say, you want me to do what? Yeah, get out of the boat. Do the impossible. Trust God to be God. It's going to happen in your life. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you could come up here and tell your story today of how God has done exactly that. Because I can too. Whether it's an area of serving, whether it's in a, a relationship that needed to be uh, healed, restored, whether it's a career move, whether it's in the area of giving, we trusted God and I was never the same. That's called a life moment. Do I attempt the impossible? Do I trust God? Life's moments grow us and stretch us and make us get out of our comfort zone, but you know what it does? It makes us more like Christ. That's what it means to be Christ-like. You're going through difficult times. I get that. But God's not done. And we need to be gracious to each other. Our goal should be for restoration and reconciliation in all aspects. Whatever that needs to look like. And you know what? God may need to start it in me. He may need to start it in your heart. Aren't you so thankful that God uses broken things? I love that passage in Corinthians where it talks about we're clay pots. I often say I'm just a broken pot. I'm just a hunk of clay. And God chooses to do what only God can do. Now, you may be here this morning. I don't know. Uh, Zach, you come on up. We're going to end, end with a song, I think. Um, you come on up. Whoever's going to be playing, come on up. Um, I don't know where you are with Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus. That may be the huge barrier, right? Well, let me tell you something. He's worth trusting. He will not let you down. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This could be your life moment. This could be that time to get out of the boat. Folks, I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I've got to drive back to Colorado Springs. I don't know how, if the Broncos are going to win tonight, but, or today. But I just hope I make it safely home on I-25. All right? Jesus is inviting you to get out of the boat spiritually. Do what you... You can't save yourself. People say, I'm not good enough. You never will be. I come, I come from a really sordid past. I come out of the drug culture, and I, I got a history, and I didn't even start going to church until I was a freshman in college. I'll never forget one Sunday, the pastor was in Galatians. I was in Colossians. I was in the wrong chapter of the whole stinking sermon. I didn't know anything about the Bible. But God did what only God could do. And he can do that in you. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, you can do that today. We're going to sing a little bit. I'm going to be here at the front. Uh, we've got deacons here, different people. Maybe you want to go and pray with them. 
whatever that needs to look like for you. We want to give you a chance to respond to what God may be stirring in your heart right now. You want me to do what? Yes. You want me to become a Christian? I know some Christians. I don't know about that. Well, don't let that dissuade you. (laughs) Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. Let me pray for us. God, right now, I just thank you so much for this church. I pray blessing on this church. I pray, God, for healing to take place in this church. I pray, God, that we will see you show up here in ways we never would have imagined. And we thank you ahead of time, expecting you to do great things. I do pray for anybody that's here that doesn't know Jesus. I pray, God, today they'll come and say yes. Or maybe talk to one of the leaders after the service or whatever. God, help them get out of their boat. Take one step. And Jesus will be there to welcome them with open arms. Help them trust in Him and Him alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.